This is the FM Gold Channel of All India Radio. In the program Spotlight now, we bring you a discussion on Indo-US 2 plus 2 ministerial dialogue overall analysis. The participants are Anil Vadhva, former diplomat, and Simran Sodhi, journalist. The second India-US 2 plus 2 dialogue took place in Washington, D.C. India was represented by Defense Minister Mr. Rajnath Singh and External Affairs Minister Dr. S. Jaishankar. The U.S. side was represented by the U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and the Defense Secretary Mark Esper. Ambassador Vadva, the joint statement has very clearly come out and one of the things it mentions very clearly is that Pakistan needs to act and take action against organizations like Jaish e Mohammed, which have been sponsoring cross-border terrorism and India has been a victim. How significant do you think this is that the United States is standing shoulder to shoulder with India on a topic and an issue that we have been trying to highlight globally for a very long time now? It's a significant part of this uh, joint statement and uh, in keeping with the past, uh, the United States has continued to express its solidarity with India on this issue. It has continued to put pressure on Pakistan for something we should have done much earlier. Yet, despite the fact that there is uh, so much of international pressure on Pakistan to take action against terrorism and also cross-border terrorism in particular, not much has happened by way of value in terms of how it affects India. It's a very important issue for India and the United States has made it a point to once again express this view together with India in this joint statement. Ambassador Vadba, we also see that India appreciated the U.S. support at the U.N. for terrorist designations, including that of the Jaish leader, Mazood Azhar, and the United States welcomed changes in Indian law that will facilitate further cooperation on terrorism designations. We would like to discuss a little more because we have seen that when India goes to the U.N. or global organizations, we see countries like China, and especially in the UNSC where China has a veto power, we have seen China attempting to shield Pakistan. How much of this is a messaging and a posturing from the U.S. to China also that it is going to stand with India when it comes to designation at the U.N.? China is quite isolated in the United Nations on this issue. The world over all countries are now quite clear that terrorism is one of the main issues to be tackled on a collective basis. It's another issue that, you know, countries cannot agree on uh, the definition of terrorism, but that's besides the point here. The point is that the action of China has made it stand out like a sore thumb, and just because it has to prop up its proxy in South Asia, it has gone to the extent of actually opposing any action being taken against the designated terrorists uh, as far as the United Nations is concerned. This is what the United States has actually messaged through this joint statement. It's consistent in a stand, so in pointing out China's support for terrorists in Pakistan. Ambassador Vadza, if we were to move from China to Pakistan, and Pakistan over the last few decades we have seen has been a close ally of the United States. We have seen a considerable shift in the U.S. relationships with Pakistan and with India. With India, we have seen a very positive trajectory, and that is one of the outcomes at the end of the second India-US 2 plus 2 dialogue where we see that the India-US relation has really got a further positive boost. Where do you put Pakistan in the equation today? For a very long time, Pakistan was getting aid from the US. Do you feel that the US-Pakistan relationship has really gone down the ladder and it is going to suffer in the future if Pakistan does not stop the sponsorship of terrorism? The US has made it quite clear that the Pakistani actions in this regard and 
harboring of terrorists and not taking any action against uh, those who indulge in cross-border terrorism, not tracking down on uh, training camps across the border from India, uh, has really made it a country which has now been targeted by organizations like the FATF and also the fact that it has not complied with so many requirements under the strictures passed by the United Nations bodies has made it stand out as a country which supports terrorism. This is quite clear, has been made quite clear by the United States over the last couple of years in particular. If you see the amount of aid that used to flow from the United States to Pakistan, that has gone down considerably. In fact, it's been replaced by a number of uh, sanctions that the U.S. has imposed on Pakistan. In the fitness of things, if we see this continuing in the future till the goal of making sure that Pakistan complies with the United Nations in this regard is achieved. Ambassador Vadva, we also see that one of the biggest takeaways at the end of the day, at the end of this dialogue, has been the emphasis on the defense and the security ties between India and the U.S. And we saw a number of agreements that have been signed. One of the most significant that is standing out is the Industrial Security Annex, which will allow U.S. defense manufacturers to do business with Indian private sector companies. How do you see this robust, growing and really strong defense security relationship between India and the U.S.? And how much weightage does it add to the bilateral ties? This is a very important step in terms of implementation of the COMCASA, the Communications Compatibility and Security Agreement. It actually is an enabler for companies to work together with India in terms of manufacturing. Obviously, it's also a stepping stone to a future cooperation agreement in this regard, which is the Basic Exchange and Cooperation Agreement, the BECA, in which the two sides are engaged in. Read together with what we have done together in the field of space, cyber security, etc., it actually strengthens the defense cooperation between India and the United States to a considerable extent. Exchange of classified military information between the defense industries of both sides will go a long way in diversification of the trade in defense in particular and also in help in manufacturing in India in future. Ambassador Vadwa, one of the things that we saw was that the U.S. has granted a rare exemption to India as far as the Chabahar port is concerned. And we all know that the U.S. has been deeply concerned and the U.S. President Donald Trump has publicly on more than one occasion voiced his concerns about Iran. Yet the fact that the U.S. has given India this exemption on Chabahar, how much strength does this add to the fact that the U.S. today actually looks upon India as a partner when it comes to the region? One of the main planks for uh, this exemption was the enhancement of uh, communications and enhancement of connectivity in the region. Both India and the United States have worked together for enhancing this connectivity in terms of the Indian Ocean region in general. In particular, it was concentrated in the Indo-Pacific uh, where the United States saw the Chinese influence growing in terms of its BRI policies. Therefore, an alternative is needed. It's already happening in terms of the ASEAN and countries around the region in the Pacific. But Chabahar is an important project which will enhance connectivity also in terms of connections with Afghanistan, which is an important area of cooperation between United States and India. Afghanistan in particular is mentioned to some extent where both sides have decided that they will cooperate in making sure this cooperation in terms of boosting the Afghan economy and making sure that the people of Afghanistan are prosperous in the future. 
To bring about that stability, it's important that connectivity issues are resolved. India has taken the lead in investing in Chabahar, and uh, this exemption should be seen in that light. Ambassador Vadhwa, dwelling a lot Afghanistan and the future of Afghanistan. If one was to play the devil's advocate, it has often been argued that forward in Afghanistan is not possible without having Pakistan on the talking table. But we also realize that having Pakistan on the talking table opens us to talking with someone who's sponsoring cross-border terrorism. How does one deal with the problem that Pakistan has become today, especially when it comes to resolving regional conflicts like Afghanistan? Well, the main issue again boils down to the fact that uh, Pakistan has been propping up terrorist organizations like Al-Qaeda, Lashkar-e-Taiba, Jaish-e-Muhammad, Haqqani Network in Afghanistan, and also the Hezbul Mujahideen. And of course, as far as India is concerned, the D Company. These organizations have been lamed in the joint communique in particular this time. Pakistan has been also called upon to take immediate and sustained and also irreversible action to ensure that no territory under its control is used for terrorism against other countries in any manner. That in particular points to India and Afghanistan, where uh, Pakistan has sponsored uh, terrorism just like it has engaged in cross-border terrorism against India. So from that perspective, Afghanistan assumes a special recognition in the joint communique. Pakistan would be looked upon as a country which has not allowed peace to prevail in Afghanistan for a long period of time because of its own nefarious designs. And the United States recognizes that unless uh, the Pakistani role in terrorism in Afghanistan is reduced, that Afghan society will continue to suffer in the future. It also has an effect on the timetable for U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, which is already announced. And unless there is peace prevailing in the country, the United States will find it that much more difficult to withdraw completely from Afghanistan. Ambassador Vadva, we also see that the joint statement very clearly mentions that and to arrest and prosecute the perpetrators of cross-border terrorist attacks, including 2611 Mumbai and Pathanko. And we all know that in 2008 in Mumbai, 166 people were killed, which included six Americans. This American pressure or American sentiment that justice needs to be done for the Mumbai attacks for Pathan Court, because at the end of the day, it is lives of the Americans also that were lost, and they have to pressure Pakistan to do something. And do you feel that this pressure is working somewhere? The pressure is not working to the extent that it should have. The communique conveys exactly that. I mean, what it says is that Pakistan should do much more to make sure and be sincere in its actions to ensure that what it has been doing in the past is abandoned. The individuals who actually perpetrated these attacks of terror are brought to justice. And you're right in pointing out that the United States nationals which were killed in these attacks are a major factor. The United States would like to see that justice is done and that uh, there is some amount of retribution which is achieved. And for the future, there should be some restraint how Pakistan acts in this regard. Another topic that came up consistently during the 2 plus 2 dialogue, and that is something that has been mentioned, is the Indo-Pacific region. And a free, open and prosperous Indo-Pacific region is what is emphasized at the end of the dialogue. When India and the U.S. emphasize a free, open and prosperous Indo-Pacific, is the subtle hint also to China that it will have to obey the laws of the sea, something that it is refusing to do for a very long time. And we have seen some really aggressive behavior by China in the waters. 
You're absolutely right there because I think the emphasis on Indo-Pacific and the free and open Indo-Pacific, which is inclusive and peaceful and prosperous, obviously takes into account the actions that China has indulged in and also the support for ASEAN centrality, the rule of law, freedom of navigation and overflight, which has also been mentioned, including the peaceful settlement of disputes. All these point to the Chinese actions that it has undertaken in the past. As you know, China has moved very aggressively in the region. It has refused to abide by the UNCLOS, which is the only internationally binding uh, treaty in this regard. It has got into a number of disputes on the territorial jurisdiction uh, with uh, at least five ASEAN states. And not only that, there is a face-off which is happening between the United States and China and other countries in this region because of China's claim of the South China Sea on the basis of nine-dash line, which is not recognized by any other country. When we look at this positive outcome which we have achieved in Washington at the end of the second India-US 2 plus 2 dialogue, what do you feel is the one big takeaway from these talks and what is the one focus area that both India and the U.S. need to look on as we continue this bilateral relationship growing in strength in the coming years? This joint communique, it is very, very comprehensive and very broad in scope. Naturally, when both defense and foreign ministers meet together, on the agenda you have a number of issues which are cross-cutting, but at the same time it sets the tone for future cooperation between India and the United States as one of the subheadings in the joint communique says, this is for building an enduring defense and counterterrorism partnership. But it's not just that, it is also making sure that India and the United States set the stage and the basis for a long-term security and diplomatic ties, which will be helpful in terms of keeping the peace around the world in the region, and in particular as far as our own neighborhood is concerned, which we are most concerned about. And as India and the United States take their relationship to the next level, we will continue our discussions on another day. For today, this is it. Thank you. Thank you very much. You were listening to a discussion on Indo-US 2 plus 2 Ministerial Dialogue Overall Analysis. The participants were Anil Badwa, former diplomat, and Simran Sodhi, journalist. This program was produced and presented by the News Services Division of All India Radio. This program is also available on our website, newsonair.com. You can also follow us on the News on AIR app. You may email your opinion about this program at airnsdtalks at gmail.com.